0: Antithetical statements that Jesus has listed in Matthew the fifth chapter. In Matthew the fifth chapter, Jesus has touched on a number of issues pertaining to life for the Christian. What he is saying is uh, every single day, uh, as you are going about, he is calling us not to be like the world, not to be like a religious folks, but we are to genuinely be like Christians. And he talks about this in regards to the topic of anger and, and, and how our anger and our lust, we can think that it goes nowhere because it's not happening outside of us. But Jesus is raising the standard of godliness and said, even if you uh, have anger in your heart, even if you have lust in your heart, you've already committed sin. Jesus points us to divorce and he's saying that that when we when we approach divorce, we are approaching a situation and a subject that is in direct opposition of what God's instruction and direction for marriage is. When he when he leads us to oaths, he he is saying that the the fact that we must take an oath reveals how sinful we are. If we have to say, I swear to God then then people just can't take our word for what it is. He said, let your yes be yes. And you're no be no. And last week, we looked on the subject of retaliation, that if someone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him to left it uh, also. And, and, and Jesus is getting back, getting to our posture of payback, where, where when we are offended, when someone has brought harm to us, our quick desires to lash back. We may not lash back physically, but we sure can lash back. Lash back with our tongues and with our actions and with our behaviors. And what he is saying is that I, I, I have called you to be something different. And the pinnacle of these antithetical statements that Jesus has been laying out is found here in the text before us this morning. If you would turn with me to Matthew, the fifth chapter we will be, uh, begin in verse 43 and finish out the chapter. Matthew, the fifth chapter beginning with the 43rd verse, and remember these words are in, in the context of, of Jesus speaking that he has not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. And then Jesus, he, he closed that section about the law in verse 20, and he specifically says, for I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus has been laying out what it looks like to really have righteousness from heaven. And he concludes this portion right here in verse 43. Jesus, he is pushing back on the Jewish Christian culture of the day. This is something that we need to push back against the Christian culture of the day. And we need to go deeper. So, what comes next from Jesus? These words are both amazing and agonizing because of the challenge that he gives to us. Matthew, the fifth chapter, beginning with the 43rd verse. This is the word of God. Please hear the voice of Christ. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. as your heavenly father is perfect. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of His word. You may be seated. Just like to place a tag upon the text before us this morning, love like a Christian. Love like a Christian. You know, in the gospel of John, the 13th chapter, we heard that read this morning, Jesus, he gives us a, a new commandment. And it it's a commandment of love. It is the command to love one another. And in that command, Jesus points out that and the world would know that you belong to me, that you are my disciples, that, that, that you're part of my kingdom by the love that you have for one another. Now, beloved, this love that Jesus is laying out, it actually should be an easy type of love. If we are pursuing Jesus, if, if we are, are, are seeking to be obedient to his will, then it should actually be easy to love one another. Because if, if, if you're pursuing righteousness and I'm pursuing righteousness and, and you're walking in repentance and I'm walking in repentance, then when we offend one another, it should be easy to say, oh, that's OK. I still love you. Even though that may be the expectations, we know that's just not reality sometimes. But if that's not reality, Jesus has the audacity to come along and say, don't just love your brothers and sisters. He says, love your enemies. How do you love someone who doesn't love you? Mm. How do you love someone who doesn't love you? Last week, we 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 looked at the subject of retaliation and and what Jesus was calling us to uh, to do in the sense of retaliation. Remember Romans, the 12th chapter In Romans, the 12th chapter, we saw Jesus laying out and he says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Hello, somebody. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil. Don't live tick for tat lives, but give thought to to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Jesus lays out that we are, are not supposed to retaliate, but we're actually supposed to come to the aid of those who have offended and hurt us. How do we love those who don't like us? But even more so, how do you love someone who hates you? How do you love someone who hates you so much and people just like you that they, 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 have, they, they will drive to your community? And commit heinous acts of violence against you. How do you love someone like the El Paso shooter who comes into a community with hate in his heart? How do you love someone like Dylan Ruth who walked up into Emmanuel, African Methodist Episcopal Church, and killed nine saints? How how are you supposed to love your enemies? Not those you you just kind of don't get along with. I'm talking about folks who hate you. This passage of Scripture... I believe, should be so convicting to us this morning. And the reason is, as hard as we find it to love our enemies, do we really love those we say we actually care about? So before I even talk about enemies, our enemies, I'm talking about, do we really love those that we say we actually like? This should be convicting to us. On display here in the text of scripture, Jesus's command to love is the ultimate demonstration of being Christian. One author put it this way to return evil for good is devilish. To return good for good is human. To return good for evil is divine. Disciples of Jesus Love in a way that sets us apart from the world and reflects whom we really belong to. See, from the scripture this morning, we we learned a few things, but primarily we learned that your love for others should reflect Jesus's love for you. Your love for others should reflect Jesus's love for you. In other words, being Christian means you love like Jesus. Three primary things from the text I want you to notice this morning. First, I want you to see that Christians reflect Jesus' love when you love in spite of your enemies. Secondly, Christians reflect Jesus' love when you love on behalf of your enemies. And then thirdly, Christians reflect Jesus's love when you love unlike your enemies. When you love in spite of your enemies, when you love on behalf of your enemies, and when you love unlike your enemies. Look here in verses 43 and 44. The text says, you have heard that it was said you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. In this this command, Jesus is laying out what it looks like to love in spite of your enemies. Jesus harkens back to the Old uh, Testament command in Leviticus 19, verse 18. And in that text, we looked at it last week, and the text says, You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Jesus is pointing back to this Old Testament commandment to love one another. Why would Jesus, why, 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 why would the God of the Old Testament need to remind us to love one another? Well, beloved, the, the truth remains that he tells us to, to love one another because we are so wicked. And before we would love one another, we would rather love ourselves. So God just he's forthright with the commandment. You need to love one another. This is something that you that you have to tell a child. You don't have to tell and teach and train a child to say no. Do you they come out the womb? They come out. They come out saying no, no mine. Mine. And they they come out being selfish, but we have to train a child how to say yes and how to be kind. And Jesus is treating us like the babies we are. He's saying, don't go around saying mine. He is saying love, not yourself, but one another. Jesus is pointing back to this command, but 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 he, he, he is laying it out for him, reminding them that that we are commanded to love because of the wickedness of our hearts. We need this command. But the second half of Jesus's phrase is actually not found in Scripture anywhere. This had become a tradition, some type of religious tradition of the Jews of that day where it says, love your enemies, but hate love, yeah, love your neighbor, but hate hate your enemies? This is not what the Old Testament command entailed. The, as a matter of fact, the Old Testament command in just one verse before Luke 19 to 18, I'm sorry, Leviticus 19, 18, in Leviticus 17, the text actually says, You shall not hate your brother in your heart, but you shall reason frankly with your neighbor, lest you incur sin because of him. So God has even laid it out. You don't hate your brother. And then to make it even more clear in Leviticus 19, 34, God gives them this command, beginning with verse 33. When a stranger sojourns with you, when a, when, a, when a stranger comes from another land looking for a better life, looking for a better opportunity, looking for a way to care for their family, looking for a better situation because their circumstance is bad, somebody who don't look like you, don't talk like you, they might not even speak the same language as you. But when a sojourn comes into your land, hello, somebody. When somebody who, 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 who is different in every way than you comes into your country. You shall not do him wrong. You shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as the native among you. And you shall love him as yourself. Why? For you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Right. It seems that God has this understanding that don't forget where you came from. Right. Don't forget how you got up. Don't forget how your bootstraps got up where you got to. Don't forget that I've been with you all this time. Don't forget about those who coming right now because you got all your stuff together and tight. Right. Yeah. He's reminding Israel. Don't forget just because i've chose you just because i've blessed you don't forget about those who are who, who are who are coming into your land because you are supposed to be a beacon for my glory don't forget god is cutting straight to their heart Because we will always have a tendency to do what we want to do for our own glory and purposes. So Jesus, in him even repeating this tradition, he is laying out the religious hypocrisy of the day. Of love your neighbor, but hate your enemies. So what happened? Why why? in the Old Testament, they received a clear command to love the, the sojourn, to love and, and not to hate. What happened? Well, beloved, to make a long story short, their love for neighbor had been narrowed by their Jewish nationalism. They had come to love themselves and their people so much that if you wasn't born where they were born, if you didn't have the same dialect as they did, if you didn't worship their God, if you didn't talk like them, if you didn't walk like them, if you didn't look like a Jew, then we didn't love you. Beloved, the study in this text is amazing. How though it may be another day, things really don't change, do they? They had chosen not to love the soldier. They had chosen not to love the one on the outside of the camp because they were so caught up in themselves, this Jewish nationalism. And beloved, we too can fall for this sinful trap. If you are not careful, mindful, and intentional, then you will settle for a narrow view of love for yourself. If you aren't mindful of 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 how God has called you to to be a witness for him in the world. He says, "Let your light so shine before men." He doesn't say, "Let your light shine before folks who look just like you." Let your light shine before folks that you, you only like. He's saying, let your light shine that everybody is able to see. And if we are not intentional, it is just easier to be around people who talk like us, look like us, look like us, walk like us, and act like us, isn't it? But Jesus is calling us to break down every barrier and go beyond because of the love that He has bestowed upon us. Just think about it. Jesus broke down the barrier of the heavens and the earth to come and to love a sinful wretch like you and like me. Jesus broke down every barrier that we could come and worship him freely. Now we're able to come boldly before the throne of grace and to lift up holy hands and praise because of the blood of Jesus. He has broke down every barrier. And this is why Jesus goes right into in verse 44. He says, they've been talking about loving yourselves. They've been talking about loving uh, in, in, in a way to actually exclude and hate somebody else. But I say to you, love your enemies. And pray for those who persecute you, Jesus, he flips the script on their on their world on on their uh, uh, the way that they love and beloved, understand what, what Jesus is talking about when he's talking about love. he's not talking about this this ooey gooey emotion that you feel when you, you when you like somebody. He's not talking about the, the 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 playground type crush you know you used to write, write them notes. Like, I like you, do you like me? Check yes or no, you be passing them notes. He's not talking about that. He's talking about the type of love that has the ability to look past a preference, to look past an offense, to look past someone's fault, to look past someone's frustration and to serve and show off Jesus. This is the type of love that he's laying out in the text. So when Jesus says, but I say, love your enemies, he is saying, have a love that in spite of who they are and what they have done, you're still able to show them Christ. Now realize the the implications of this command. And I'll be honest, Jesus, he does say love, not like, because those are two different things. We're called to love everybody, but it's just some, it's some folks it's hard to like. tell my wife often i don't just love you i like you too it makes a big difference but regardless if we like someone or not we're called to love and love is able to serve not because you want to love enables you to serve because it shows off jesus When we think about what constitutes an enemy, the truth is the Jews had many reasons to have enemies. Think about the the context of this this passage. They're they're in the midst of Roman occupation. They they have become subservient to Rome. They're treated as second-class citizens. They, They are marginalized and oppressed. They would, have, they would have every reason to hate Romans and to call them enemies. Think about the history of the Jewish nation, a history of war and, and oppression. They were slaves in Egypt. They had to fight the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Parasites, and all the other ites as they came into the promised land. The fall of the, nor- the northern kingdom to Israel meant that they were oppressed. The fall of the southern kingdom of Judah meant they were oppressed. They had every reason to have enemies. And beloved, I, I don't know your story. I, I don't know where you come from. I, I don't know what's happened to you. You may have every reason to have an enemy, but God says, when you belong to me, there's a better way. Jesus is not asking them to sweep their hurt and pain up under the rug. He is saying he's not saying forgive and forget. He's saying love, love your enemies. As followers, as a follower of Jesus, there's going to be times when you will need to love someone in spite of. I don't know about you. There's there's a lot of in spite of moments in life conversations in the store, conversations on the job, conversations uh, in school. There, there's many times where you're going to need to love someone in spite of. Again, this is not a, that that mushy, emotional type of love. This is an active love. This is not a lay down and let folks walk over your life type love. This is a active, engaged type love where you're willing to, to serve because they need Jesus. But not only do we have moments where we would need to love someone in spite of. Beloved, if we're just going to be honest, there's going to be times when we need someone to love us in spite of. There's times where we just fall short. There's times where we are sinful. There's times where we're wicked. There's there's times where we don't say the right thing. There's times where we don't do the right thing. There's going to be times where we're, we're... we, we can't say anything but sorry, and we will need one another to love us in spite of. Beloved, Jesus is calling us to a in spite of love. But not only should we love our enemies in spite of, we should love our enemies in a way that actually benefits them. We actually should intercede on their behalf. Look at verse 44. In the ESV, it reads simply, But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. In the New King James, and the King James Version, it's a a little bit more expanded. Now, it doesn't change the meaning. It doesn't change the definition whatsoever. But the the meaning is still the same. But it it gives you a, a more robust understanding of what Jesus is calling you to. In the New King James, it says, but I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Did Jesus just Jesus just he just covered all the bases right there? We don't have any excuse now. Christians go to God on behalf of their enemies. This is what he's saying. He said, He says, Bless those who curse you. When our enemies are calling curses down, we call down blessings. This is Jesus. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. That's a blessing. That's, that's Lord, have, have mercy on them. Uh, Lord, stay your wrath right now. Lord, don't don't let them die right now in this moment in sin. Have mercy on them. And and when we are engaging our enemies, when someone does us wrong, we don't want to just cuss them out right away. Sometimes we have to just step back and say, Lord, bless them. Bless them, Jesus. And you might throw in there, bless them, Jesus, because if not, woo. We're asking Jesus to give them something they don't even deserve. That sound familiar? Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. Even in spite of how they may harm you. This this doing good is, is more of the sense of, Those good works in Ephesians 10, what what are those good works comprised of? It is is a lifestyle and and actions that are consistent with someone understanding why you're doing what you do. Your enemies should know that, that I'm serving you, not just because I want to, but because my master desires for me to serve you. And, and in my service, I will let my light shine in such a way that you will begin to worship my father who are in heaven. But I don't think it's by chance that the text concludes with how to love on behalf of our enemies. He says, pray for. Pray for those who spitefully use you. He ain't say accidentally use you. He said, they intended on using you. When they, di- when they started dialing your number, they was planning on using you. When they woke up this morning, they, they, they had a plan and you was part of it. When, when, when they were scheming and dreaming, your name came up because they, they were going to use. He said, spitefully use you. See, you, see this, this, this is the, the saying, you just not low down. You, you, you low down and dirty. But Jesus, what? Pray pray for them? See, Jesus knows that, that when we begin to pray for somebody, one or two things gonna happen, or both things might happen. But when we begin to pray for someone, that, that, Their life may actually change. They might actually be transformed. And beloved, I'm not talking about David's imprecatory prayers in the Psalms. I'm not talking about, Lord, crush their head. Lord, take away all their money and get rid of their, no. Lord, move upon their heart in such a way that they can't deny who you are. Lord, may you bring them low, not not so they would just be low because they're low, that they will go low to recognize that they can only look to you to go any higher. Lord, would you give them eyes to see and give them ears to hear. And give them a heart to receive your word, so that they will be transformed from the innocent. Lord, please make them a new creature in Christ Jesus. Lord, may you may you may the God of this world no longer blind their eyes. Lord, help their steps, guard and govern their eyes. Lord, bless them from the the crown of their head to the bottom of their feet. Lord, help them and keep them another night, because they're disobedient. And if they were to leave this life right now, they would be in hell separated from you. We're praying that they would change. But sometimes the Lord doesn't just pray to call us to pray to change them. He calls us to pray to change you. The Lord uses the prayers of the saints not, not just to accomplish something on their behalf, but to do something in our own hearts, when, when, when you really, I'm, I'm talking about when you for real, for real, begin to pray for those who spitefully use you. The Lord has a way of, of rooting up that, that root of bitterness that's been in your heart. The Lord has a way of, of, of tearing down and casting down strongholds and, and yokes in your life. They, they don't even know you mad at them and you've been mad for 10 years now. But when you begin to pray for them, God has a way of breaking up that stony hard heart and he can use you now. God doesn't just want to change the situation. He wants to change you in the midst of the situation. We pray for our enemies, pray for their salvation. Beloved, just as Jesus is interceding on your behalf right now, you need to be interceding for somebody. You already know their name. You already thought about them. They drive you crazy. They don't get it right. They always messing up or you looking in the mirror. Lord, I just need somebody to pray for me. I can't get it right. I'm toe up from the floor. I, I need somebody to pray for me. We sang it last, last Wednesday. Somebody pray for me. Beloved, you ain't where you are because you are all that. I'm just, I'm just here to remind you that the only reason that you're on two legs and you're in the right mind and has a decent amount of health with breath in your lungs is somebody was praying for you. I don't know if it's your grandmama. I I don't know if it's your uncle or grandpa. I don't know if it's your pastor or one of the deacons. I don't know if it was a cousin. But somebody was praying for you. Your mama was praying for you. Your daddy was praying for you. Your your, your church was praying for somebody. Was praying for you. When you look over your life and you say, Lord, I don't even know how I made it. Lord, I don't know how I got here. Lord, I don't know how the bills was paid. I I don't know how my child made it. I don't know how I made it. But I just know there was somebody praying for me. Just as Jesus has been praying for you, he calls us to pray for those who are our enemies. We love in spite of, we love on behalf of, but lastly, we love unlike your enemies. The rest of the text goes like this in verse 45. He says, so that you may be the sons of your father who is in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do you do not even the Gentiles do the same? Jesus, he's he's laying out this 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 contrast, this difference between his people and everybody else. He, he is saying that the, the reason why you are praying is because you're different. Beloved, you you, you remember the, uh, the phraseology growing up? You came to your the mother and your father and the kids were outside playing or they were doing something foolish. and, and But your parents told you to come in and you go to them. Uh, but why I can't go out? Why I can't stay out? Tinnacle. Why I have to get on the porch? And because, uh, because Nuke Nuke and Baby and them, they ain't got to come on the porch and, and your parents look at you, but Nuke Nuke and Baby ain't my children. Because if you belong to me, that's, that's why I call you on the porch. And beloved, that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying when we are able to love our enemies, we, we do that to show that we are sons of the Father. We're different because we belong to a different family. We're not like everybody else. It's not like this, this special thing that we just poke out in front of everyone, but we're not like everybody else if, if, G, if, if, if God is your father and Jesus is your savior. We're different. Christians are called to be different than everyone else. And beloved, here it is. The true mark of Christianity is that it actually comes out in the midst of adversity. Don't just tell me you're a Christian when everything's good. Don't just act like a Christian when you had a good week. Beloved, the test of any true faith is to have that type of faith even in the midst of a week full of hell. Even when your spouse is acting up, when your child has lost their doggone mind, when your job is getting on your last, your last nerve when your teacher has went crazy and has signed a whole book for homework, I, when your classmates have been gossiping and talking about you behind your... When the government done lost their mind. That's when we act like Christians because we're different. The difference that we show in the world is that we respond differently to adversity. How do, how do we know we need to respond differently? Look how, look how God responds to his enemies. In verse 45, he says, he makes the sun rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. I know some, we may have thought that interpretation meant that everybody's the same. The, you know, the rain falls on the good. No, the sun falls on the good, that means we all have good days. And the rain falls on the good and the bad, that means we all have bad, bad days. That's, that's not what Jesus is saying here. Jesus is actually saying that God, he is the one who's giving complete and total nourishment to everybody. He sends the sun so that the crops will grow so that the seeds would begin to uh, to come up with life. But then he's saying, and and he sends rain to nourish the soil so that the crops will be able to have what they need to grow. uh, Jesus is talking about a complete blessing. God, in his common grace, he is demonstrating love on the very ones who hate him right now. God, he has let the, the sinner and the saint wake up this morning God has allowed the sinner and the saint to be able to have a job and to work in order to provide for themselves. God has this this common grace that he is loving and lavishing himself upon this world in order that we will look to him and say, man, there must be a God. This is what Jesus is talking about in this text. And then he uses two of the... uh, two of the people who would be most against God and his people. He says tax collectors, those who would be considered as traitors to the Jewish nation. And then he goes outside of the Jewish nation to Gentiles, these pagans. But God is showing love to tax collectors, tax collectors and Gentiles every day this is not you scratch my back and I'll scratch yours Jesus is loving his enemies in spite of himself in spite of themselves but then Jesus he he caps off this text in verse 48 you therefore be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect this text serves two purposes. One, it closes this paragraph right here. He's saying, act like your daddy. Act like your daddy. Act, act like you belong to the Heavenly Father. You be perfect as he is perfect. But then also he, he's capping off this whole section in Matthew 5 and all the ways that we should behave by being Christian. And he, and he hearkens back to Leviticus 2 I am the Lord your God, and you shall be holy, for I am holy. He's calling us to holiness. He's calling us to a life that is set apart and not like everybody else. Beloved, we seek perfection because because perfection has sought us. Christians love their enemies best when we point our enemies to Jesus. See, true love is not a sentiment. True love is a service. How do we know? Because we know that true love is a service because when we were enemies of God, when when we too had our back turned towards him, when when, when we too could not stand God, he sent his only begotten son. But God demonstrates his love towards us. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us Jesus came in spite of us Jesus came on behalf of us and Jesus came unlike us Jesus came in a way that when you looked at him you said oh this is not an ordinary man who is this man who walks on the water who is this man who's able to heal the the the, the, the blind and, and raise the dead? who is, what manner of man is this and 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 his life is a demonstration of Of loving his enemies. Beloved, and because Jesus has chosen to love his enemies, we who were in our sins and were enemies of God have been given the opportunity to repent and to trust in him for salvation. Where we are changed from being enemies of God to becoming beloved friends of God. Christians are called to love the unlovable. Some serious questions arise from this text. Is there anything special about your love? Are you doing the least as a Christian? Or are you doing the most? Are you different than this world? Or do you love the same? Will you ultimately call God father? Or will you call him judge? Because only those who love Jesus can truly love others. Beloved, your love for others should reflect Jesus's love for you. When we leave this place, we need to leave and we need to love like a Christian. Let us pray. Father in heaven, thank you for your word. We thank you so much for Jesus Christ, who is the ultimate example of love. For you loved us even when we were in our sin, even when we were far from you. Your word declares that once we were not a people, but now we are a people, a people who belong to you, a peculiar people. We're, we're different, but that's what makes it so glorious, because we look like Jesus. Father, I ask that you continue to have your way in this worship service. May you lead, guide, and direct us. May you draw someone's heart near to you. May they understand the deep abiding love that you have for them. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen.